0: Trying to change habits when you're a parent's heart.
1: We can't say, look, you're really tired. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is actually sleep less so that you can meditate to make yourself feel better. Today
0: on Feed, Play, Love, psychologist Rebecca Ray gives us her advice on how to take small steps to a better life.
1: Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt.
0: Parenting can sometimes feel like you're on a raft hurtling down a swift moving river. You're just trying to keep everyone afloat and avoid hitting any rocks. But what if there were some small things you could do to make the journey smoother, calmer, more satisfying? Dr. Rebecca Ray is a psychologist, author, and mum. Her latest book is called Small Habits for a Big Life. Hi, Beck. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I want to know whether you can relate
1: to that metaphor about parenting yeah absolutely I I think my entire journey as a parent has been feeling like at times I was in rapids you know really <laughs> but unprepared for the rapids so I I think you know prior to this conversation when I said to you I, if you want me to speak on parenting I'm not an expert like I'm I'm just a person trying to work out how to do four years in one month at this point, you know, I, I don't <laughs> yes. really know. And so there is very much a sense of not knowing where the rapids are going to head and, and, and definitely feeling like the the raft is not, not all that stable and I've got to build it. Like I'm here trying to make it something more solid so that mm. we can, I can raise a human that's okay in the world.
0: Yeah. And that is where I leave the metaphor and because <laughs> I'm not certain I can continue it through the interview. I would love to have something like a, a regular meditation practice yep. um, and, and to exercise more. Both of these things will take a back seat to sleep and I'm always tired, mm. which I imagine many parents can relate to. Yeah. How do you overcome that kind of obstacle when it
1: comes to creating good habits? Well, first of all, I don't think you do. I think the the word overcome is something that's going to set us up for failure. So instead, I would say, how do we honour the particulars of parenthood which often deprives us of our basic needs like sleep, <laughs> Yes. but also then try to develop practices in our daily life that are going to make sure that we are mentally well parents, which I think is actually essential because if you're not looking after your own mental health, then how can you raise a little person that has um, good mental health for themselves? And so... I don't think it's a case of being able to decide that you're going to exercise more and sacrifice sleep to do that. I mean, maybe the likes of Tim Ferriss might get on here and go, you need to get up at 5 a.m. I forget who wrote that book, The 5 a.m. Miracle Morning mm. or what. I don't know. I didn't read it. I I did not. (laughs) I also did not read it because I thought, do you have a toddler? Because Mm -mm. there's so many things wrong. So I'm not a, I'm not a fan of being able to set up routines from the outset that are then going to push us away, further away from those basic needs, because those basic needs really need to be acknowledged as the foundations of good mental health. So we can't say, look, you're really tired. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is actually sleep less so that you can meditate to make yourself feel better. Um <laughs> no. <laughs> So what we need to do is acknowledge, okay, for the foundations of sleep and nutrition and um, substances, you know, so when I'm talking about nutrition, we also need to be aware of things like caffeine, alcohol, substances, tobacco, that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the building blocks of our lives, sleep is actually really important. So it's not okay to sacrifice sleep to replace it with another good habit, you know, yes. in, in the hope that you'll be band-aiding your own mental health to make it better. So instead of thinking of it as a replacement or as something that's going to sacrifice sleep even more, instead, I, I would try to look at it in terms of what are the rhythms that we can develop on a daily basis that can fit into our day, not additions to our day, but pockets, what pockets can we find where we could potentially devote those pockets to our own mental wellbeing? So psychological self-care, because I think we're so used to spending time on life admin. So the running of the lives of all the people that we care for mm. and our own lives and partners and all that kind of thing. But we don't always stop to think, hold on a second, how's the engine that's actually doing all that work? So can we find very small pockets in those days where you can go for a walk or where you can go for, um, you know, do five minutes of meditation? And the next thing I want to say, someone who is a recovering perfectionist, um, so I can swing both ends of the continuum. I can, I'm quite all or nothing. If it's not half an hour of medica- meditation, then it doesn't count. Thank you very yes, much.
0: Yes, 100%. and. um.
1: Uh, you know, what's just a walk with the dog when I should be running on the treadmill? You know, like there's all these standards. And those standards are essentially ways to bury yourself under a mountain of expectation that you'll just continually to, continue to fail at. Mm. So instead what is a far more workable as much as it drives me insane? Because I would actually love a beautifully time-blocked schedule that was the same every week where I (laughs) I met all my own standards, right? That sounds blissful. (laughs) I would love it. The type A personality in me would love it. Like the the colour, I can see the (laughs) colour coding. It turns me on. Love it. So it just doesn't work though. And it certainly doesn't work when I live a life of as a creative and I'm the mother of a small person and I'm married to another creative. So what I've found is that we need to work from a basis of small habits. What are the small things that you can do on a regular basis? Dare I say it, on a good enough basis. I I really want listeners to know that you don't have to go (laughs) to the lengths that you might have been told by, uh, you know, some podcast or a self-help book that you once read that said it's got to be this level for it to be okay. It Mm. doesn't. the, The small efforts that we make are enough to actually trigger neural wiring to change in our brains. Consistency is more important than perfection when it comes to brain wiring. And so what we're looking for with habits is actually transforming the wiring in our brains in the service of repeating behaviors for our own growth and our own potential.
0: So much of what you said then resonates with me, um, particularly with that on and off switch. Yep. So, not thinking y- this little pocket is is going to be enough. Yeah, that um, we it's all or nothing, mm-hmm. and that also that attitude when I apply it, which is all the time, <laughs> yeah. I just constantly feel guilty. Yes, guilty, anxious that what I'm doing is not enough. Yeah. And let's face it, I'm a mum who works full time with two kids. Even if I did the bare minimum, Mm -hmm. I'm still doing a lot, right? Absolutely. But I never look at it that way. Yeah. I already, already today, I'm like, I didn't do yoga this morning. (laughs) I didn't walk the dog. Yeah. I had a lovely lunch with you, (laughs) which is, which is good. It's amazing. But I'm not going to exercise it off, yeah, you know, so those things are already in my head. So it's yeah. almost like the negativity is i it's almost like i'm I want the the desire to have these habits in my life
1: is actually making me more unhappy absolutely. I want to almost call it an enoughness balance sheet. Yes, it's like we're constantly running a spreadsheet in our heads and have we? You know, do we have enough credits against the debits here to yes. be able to feel that we're we're adequate today? And even adequate's not okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> that even has a, an element of of not enoughness to it, which then brings in the guilt and you know gets a really funny emotion. It's I often talk in terms of necessary guilt and unnecessary guilt. And necessary guilt is when you have something to atone for. You've actually made a mistake. It's legitimate. You need to go and correct something. Unnecessary guilt is the guilt we often feel about guilt. You know, it's we we feel guilty for feeling guilty. We we feel guilty for not feeling like we're enough. We feel guilty for not being able to do all these things. And yet if we actually looked at anyone else's schedule that we were close to, we'd be the first to say to them, oh my goodness, you're doing amazing. And so I think guilt is, it's really important that we acknowledge guilt because I think it's a pervasive emotion, particularly for women. But I think it's also important to understand that oftentimes we are guilting ourselves. So the guilt is actually not coming from anywhere, perhaps the media But it's actually no one in your life wagging their finger at you saying you're not doing a good job. It's us making that decision around our level of enoughness.
0: And when you actually take a step back and, as you say, lower those levels of expectations, life becomes so much easier. You're physically not doing anything different, but living is a much more easy experience when you drop those expectations and you say to yourself... Okay, this morning, I am just going to get the kids ready for school and walk out and go to work.
1: Yep. Woohoo! (laughs) It feels more expansive to me. Yes. It's like there's room to move. Mm. I'm not constricted by anxiety or guilt or shame or deciding that there is something about me that is not acceptable in this moment. Instead, I'm just allowed to be enough as I am with what I get done right now.
0: Yeah. And you're in this book, you're talking about um, ways, like you just mentioned, small little ways that you can redirect your neural wiring to have better habits in your life. And I'd love to talk more about this idea you were mentioning there about finding pockets in your day. Yep. Um, Because I love that idea as opposed to adding more onto what you're already not getting through. You know, oh, if you've yeah. got your to-do list and you get through the top three and you're like, yes, and then there's three more that you haven't got to. But if it's something that is more organic, yeah. it feels more achievable. Can you talk to me about that?
1: Absolutely. So this came out of my own frustration that I wasn't living by my values enough. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Because I do a lot, and there's often things on my to-do list that I don't want to do, like write a book. Um, for <laughs> listeners, I'm an author. It's like my primary job. But I, I don't actually like writing. The, don't play this to my publisher, but the the actual <laughs> task of writing is incredibly laborious, and I am essentially a sloth. Like my... <laughs> I'm just inherently lazy, so when I ask my brain to work it says no. So I've got I got into this habit where if I would do some writing, <laughs> like I'd I'd get my dopamine hit in my brain. Dopamine is the neurochemical in our brain that gives us a sense of pleasure and motivation. So it's the neurochemical that says, "Oh, that felt good. Let's repeat that." So if you I'm not recommending this, but if you go to a casino and you get the free games um, when you're kind of hitting the button to gamble, dopamine is the thing that spikes and says, "Oh, that feels good. We should keep doing this." It's the basis of addiction, but it's also the basis of motivation and habit formation.
0: Mm.
1: Now, I was getting my dopamine as someone with a Type A personality from productivity. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ching, yes, resonating cha-ching. on all levels here. <laughs> yes. And so what I noticed was the way my life was designed was essentially to prioritize work. So I would prioritize writing in the morning, content creation, that kind of stuff and go, oh, tick, 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 I've done the hard things. Therefore, I don't know what the end of that sentence was in my brain. I've done the hard things. Therefore, maybe it was just, therefore, I'm enough today. But when I stopped and thought about it, because I occasionally review my goals and sit down with Nissa, my wife, and look at where we're going in life. And I stopped and thought, when do I prioritize spending time with my child just one-on-one without a phone in my face or without thinking about the next, you know, kind of chapter I need to write or something like that? When do I do creative activities just for the sake of creating and not because I'm on a contract? <laughs> um, when do I... When do I actually spend time and check in with my friends that's not in an ad hoc way because I've forgotten to respond to five text messages from last week? And that was a real check for me as someone who preaches living by your values to think, hold on a second, I'm never going to sit on my bed when I'm 80 years old if I'm privileged enough to get to that age and go, oh, Beck, you know that time? you know that time when you got that book written before the deadline? Shit, that was amazing. Like, you are everything. I'm not. I'm not going to sit there and go, you know how you got so good at uh, striking off your to-do list (laughs) that you ended up, like, getting everything done by 3 p.m.? You are amazing. What I'm going to sit there and say is, who did I love? My nan died when she was 90 in 2018. And... I sat with her, my pop died just a couple of months before she passed. And we were sitting in her nursing home room, which was next door to his. Mm -hmm. The room was empty. It was the day after. It was awful. And I was holding her hand and she was eating Vegemite toast. And um, she, she was playing with the rings on my hands and she was crying. And she said to me, darling, in the end, all that matters is who we love and how we love them. And I'll never forget it. And that—that that is actually how I live, but it wasn't how I've been living. If that makes sense, I want to get to my 80th year and sit there and go, "It's how I lived that matters." Mm. And so, this is a really long story to <laughs> be <laughs> to be able to come back to. Mm. My life's not going to change, Savon. Like honestly, I'm not saying no to opportunity. I'm saying yes. Like there is more stuff happening for me every year. It's not less, mm. and I keep getting to the point where I was like, "Oh, I'll start that meditation habit when, you know, when it fits neatly in my time to block time blocked schedule," mm. and it just doesn't happen. And so, I've had to come to a position where. If I want to make sure that the values that are deep, most deeply important to me are included in my schedule, then pockets are found for them and those pockets are actually prioritised. So the next problem is that when you get to that point in your schedule, you actually do it and don't go, oh no, there's an email here that I should respond to instead. So what I started doing was very small things. Um, super small, so much so that they really made me annoyed. (laughs) Felt (laughs) entirely inadequate Um, until I did them enough that I actually found that I got, it made a huge difference to my psychological wellbeing. So I would do and still do. um, I sit down 10 minutes before I go and pick Ben up from daycare and I sit in a particular chair. It's like a really nice sofa chair I have a foot massager, so I use my foot massager. It's not a foot spa. It's an actual massager that uses air compression. (laughs) And I do a 10-minute guided meditation on the car map. Honestly, it's like the best part of my day. It's only 10 minutes and yet... The foot, I've used the foot massager as a base because I'm not great at focusing on my breathing. So mm. I use the physical feeling of the foot massager as what meditation gurus would call a home base. Mm. And um, that 10 minutes, even though initially when I had scheduled it, I thought this is ridiculous. Like if you're a true meditator, then you at least do it for half an hour. Like, come <laughs> on. Um <laughs> And you at least, like, sit with your legs crossed on the floor and maybe, like, link your fingers together. like And burn some incense. Yes, right? <laughs> at, at le- you do the things. And this is not at all doing the things. Sometimes I, I even put my head back because my neck sore from sitting at a desk. Not making it perfect has meant I can tell you now I have a meditation habit. Yeah. And it's only 10 minutes a day. But it is such a great part of my psychological self-care and it centers me so much that you know if we want to go back to the raft I know you don't want to come back to that (laughs) metaphor again but it does make me feel more stable we're talking 10 minutes that's not a pocket I'm adding it's a pocket I'm creating in terms
0: of creating that pocket um what was the hardest thing about that like was it hard to say okay this is the time of my day where it will most will sit well because I can feel I sort of think yeah I can look at my day and Mm. say this is where it's most likely to happen yeah but knowing your life the way you described it there knowing my life and the life of most most parents as you said there can always be something absolutely jumps up and you go that 10 minutes even that 10 minutes is going to make me 10 minutes late for pick up or it's going to do this or that how do you find the discipline to follow through on that, creating that little pocket.
1: I'm going to say this as someone who used to be disciplined, who is now not. <laughs> I'm actually super disappointing in that area. I'm speaking of not enough- enoughness. I used to be when pre-children, pre-long-term relationship, when you don't really have much else besides work and your own health to look after. <laughs> I was great, like <laughs> up at 5am walking the dog. And that was amazing. That does not happen anymore. So I, I wouldn't actually say I've found the discipline. I would say that my priority is my mental health for Bennett's sake, my child's sake. I'm not looking to be more disciplined. I'm looking to make sure that I'm in a state where I can parent him more. So I am i don't come at meditation from a place of you need to be more disciplined. And then what happened was I just happened to do it regularly enough for the start that the dopamine hit that I got, I got real emotional evidence and physical evidence for how good I felt after that 10 minutes, that it's enough that even if I miss a day, so for listeners, I'm in a different state than I normally live in right now and I'm not meditating. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I haven't meditated for the last few days. And that's because I'm out of my routine, but I will just go back to it when I get back because I look forward to the outcome. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's important that we talk about something where I don't necessarily look. It doesn't feel good while I do it. Like oh, what's that exercise? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. Yes, oh, I am. Yes, not fit like I was in my late twenties. Who is? I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but I don't look necessarily look forward to exercising. Not. I don't even look forward to walking the dog. I love what he gets out of it. Yes. And I love working on his mental health. I work on my dog's mental health like I do, (laughs) like I work on my child's mental health. But it hurts. And I'm always reminded of what aches or how little cardio fitness I have and really need. And I don't, there's nothing around that that I go, yes, like, let me get on the treadmill. So what I tend to do is um, I do a future self-connection and The future self is nowhere near my 80-year-old self because it's way too far. I do not care about my (laughs) 80-year-old self if I have to exercise. Like, no, I don't care. I don't care if she hurts because I hurt now and it's too hard and I'm too tired. So what I do is I actually do my uh, self from half an hour now.
0: So how, how
1: will my self in 30 minutes time feel if I just got this done right now? That's great. Yeah. So... That's the and again, it's not about discipline. I'm not saying to myself, "You need to do that because you need to be a more disciplined person. Like this is what a person should do if they did. That doesn't work with me. i I used to put that kind of pressure on myself, and I used to criticize myself with that kind of language. And so mm. it was wrapped up in shaming myself. And now i I try to use a more workable kind of internal conversation because, I either rebel against the criticism and go, screw you. Like,
0: I'm going to sit <laughs> yeah, on the couch and watch. Eat some chocolate. Just watch.
1: <laughs> you want to see how far you can push me? Like, I'll go the other way so further. But now it's more like, look, I just know that I should do it for my overall well being and I actually will result in consequences that are good for me those consequences might be in three months time. So that's too far away for my brain. That's, that doesn't motivate me. So instead I just go, well, what about 30 minutes time? And I can kind of press on that productivity button that still lives in my brain and go, this is a bit like writing a chapter. You don't <laughs> want to do it, but if you just got it done, wouldn't it feel better? And it always does. Yeah. So that's, that's how I kind of get away around it. So we've been talking about ways of
0: motivating ourselves and including good habits that we want to in our lives as parents, as busy parents. Yep. When I was talking to other parents and friends who have kids, they all wanted to know how do we help our kids set up good habits. And when I say good habits, they were not talking about exercising. They were talking about putting dishes in the dishwasher. And dare I say it, putting the towel up on the rack after they've had a shower. Okay, interesting. (laughs) These are both habits. We don't have a dishwasher, but I'd love my kids to get into those sorts of good habits in terms of living communally, right? Yeah. These are good habits for them, for us now, but also for when they're older and leaving home. Yeah. Do you have any tips on ways we can give our kids a a dopamine for putting away their
1: stuff? Look, no, because, <laughs> because there's a reason for this. So there's only so much that uh, a, a drill sergeant attitude from a parenting perspective will actually do for kids. You can you can punish them for not doing it, you know, no pocket money, that kind of thing. You can take away positive things from them so that there's essentially negative consequences for their behaviour. But that will only get so far. That That means that what you're essentially raising them to do is act to avoid a negative external consequence rather than to be driven from an internal motivation that is just about being a good human to live with. Mm. And so unfortunately, because we want that internal motivation to be there, if we're raising good humans, to be their long-term motivation, that they just do it because that's what makes them a good human to be around um, and share space with the only way to do this is to model it.
0: But when I model it, they just see that's what I do
1: for them. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean doing it for them. Oh,
0: you just mean doing it yeah, for Yeah. So I mean,
1: you're doing it for yourself and then you're talking about why you do it for yourself because <sighs> they don't need to walk over your, you know, wet towels and that kind of thing. So that this does mean that you might need to Uh, talk about communal living spaces like shared bathrooms and things like that. And it can work better when you talk in terms of your space is your space, but we have expectations in this family for how we operate in shared spaces, to share this space in such a way that we're respecting each other's needs and each other's presence. This is what we do. Now, it's not a guarantee that they're going to do it every time or even any time, particularly depending on their phase of development. Yes. Um, But it does mean that what you're modelling as a parent is that you also respect them as a younger human, but a person in their own right, with their own identity and their own motivations, to eventually pick up habits out of respect for other people rather than because you told them they had to. Mm.
0: I find it, I've, I'm in a really interesting situation with my son, bless his soul, because he's certainly worked out how to live the good life with <laughs> his mum. who he thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. Because he is. Like, he is, especially. obviously. He's very cute. <laughs> um, but I, it's really interesting because when I say things pet hates of mine is that he'll drink all the water in the fridge water bottle, and then put it back empty or he'll, he'll not put his plate away or something like that. And when I speak to him directly and I say, come on mate, like you need to fill up the water bottle. I honest to God think even in that simple, straightforward language, he feels shame. Mm. I can see it in his body language. He gets all funny and you know. Yeah. And uh, my husband on the other hand will say, oh no, he just knows how to get his own way. And I'm like, no, but he's. I, I'm shaming him without meaning to shame him by trying yeah. to get him to do the right thing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's common with children, um, but I can see people misinterpreting that behaviour.
1: Yeah, and I can also, I think that there's a, there's a way that we can talk about these things where we're talking about behaviour and not the person. So I don't think you're shaming him in that moment. I think you're asking him for a certain behaviour. Mm-hmm. It would be if you said, mate, you're being lazy. Yeah. So that's you, you're talking about his identity. You're not asking for a particular task to be done. When we're talking about particular tasks, it's okay for others to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So, you know, life is unfortunately uncomfortable, and it's okay if he gets motivated by some discomfort because he realizes that he actually hasn't been that respectful human sharing space. Uh, that doesn't mean you're shaming him. It, the shame would come in, like it, you might be observing some discomfort because he's right in the spotlight right then, but you're not calling him a label or you haven't actually made him as a person uh, a bad thing in that mm. situation.
0: Well, I hope that helps someone else because that was brilliant for me. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad. <laughs> I feel like I totally hijacked the podcast there for my own benefit. <laughs> Apologies, but I hope someone else out there got some something out of that, because I I do feel that's such an important message for parents of our generation, where we feel so much responsibility for our child's well being that it is okay for them to feel uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Um, Because so many parents I know are really up on the right language to use with their kids, on not shaming them, on understanding where they're at developmentally. And, but you're right. Like, life is uncomfortable and growing up is uncomfortable and, and learning how to be with people, friends, family, whatever it might be. Those are emotions we have to let them feel. And I think we've been told we need to let our kids fail and we know that lesson, but we don't necessarily know, you know, about things like this, like being part of the family and doing the right thing. Yeah, it's social
1: motivators. This discomfort that he's experiencing is a social motivator. It's a cue that he will eventually learn he can avoid that discomfort if he just fills up the water bottle, mate. Like, it's not hard. (laughs) I reckon it's going to take us a couple of years. Yeah, and it might. It (laughs) might. So there might be a fair bit of parental frustration (laughs) in between now and then. But it also means that while you're doing that, you're allowing him to sit in that discomfort and modelling that just because you feel uncomfortable about a mistake that you made doesn't mean you're a bad person and I think that's a really powerful lesson we need to learn as humans and help our small people learn because when you go out into the world you need to be able to be resilient towards the tough things in life without internalizing that as being something wrong with you inherently. Mm. Going back
0: to the um forming good habits. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I have found is that throughout my life, I have always seen the benefits of meditation. So I've dipped in in little places and sometimes I've been great and sometimes not so great. If I have a good run streak and then I fall off the wagon, what's a good way to get back on track? Because sometimes we can just let
1: go. What's a good run streak? (laughs) Seven days? <laughs> okay, Yes. Yeah, Wait. I'm not sure I've made it to seven days yet, but okay, great. I, just I don't want, know that I have either. I just, I just want to know the, the standard we're working to. Um, <laughs> how do you get on, get back? Uh, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion. Because you're with you all the time, like, no, you're, your husband's not going to turn around and go, Chev you should sit on the mat. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether he talks like that, but maybe he doesn't. I don't know. That <laughs> sounded really hot. I was like, well, I wish he, wish he sounded like that. <laughs> um, but... It's uh, In my book, Setting Boundaries, I talk about the internal boundaries that we have with ourselves. So people think of boundaries as the uh, lines of connection that we draw with one another, but we also have internal boundaries, the, the boundaries that we set around bedtime and screen time and exercise and meditating, and things that we promise us that we would like to make and keep with ourselves. And so in my experience, Habit formation never really happens in a linear way, but every time you plant a seed for a new habit by repeating the behavior, you're adding to the neural wiring in your brain, the the solidity of that uh, neural pathway that's being structured in your brain. So I want you to think of it like, even if it's a habit that you once had that you no longer have, or if it's a habit that you're developing for the first time, it's like building a new highway in your brain. And the neurotransmitters, the neurotransmitters that's, that travel on those um, highways kind of go, oh, I don't want to go down the, like that highway's just in construction. Like there's roadworks and the signage is unclear and it's just, oh, like no, I just want to go the way I know. It might take longer, but I'll just go that way. Like just feels better. And so when you're developing a new habit, please don't ever feel bad about yourself when you fall off track because that construction is still there. So every time you come back to it, I just want you to think that you're just helping the construction just move forward a little bit. Mm. We know that roads take a long time to build, especially in Australia. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But they also do in our brain. And so if you come from a place of self-compassion, and let me just clarify for listeners, I don't mean copping out. I'm also pretty good at that. Um, there is a line. There's a, absolutely a line. And the line is where you you acknowledge that the experience is hard. You know, I wish I could be perfect at this. I wish I could be better at this. I, I wish I could just commit to my own well-being more effectively, more consistently. I, I see that. I understand it. I understand that I'm trying. I'm actually trying really hard. And, because these two things can coexist, and... I'm going to try again today. Mm. Not, but I did it so good when I was in my late 20s. Like I used to be so much better then. And now it's just crap. Like, honestly, I just can't get it together. I'm a bit of a loser, really. Like I'm just not good enough. And, you know, you see these other mums on Instagram who clearly have it sorted out because (laughs) of the filters, like the consistent coloured filters that they're using. So (laughs) makes me think they've got their life together. And it's just not true. And so if you speak to yourself from a place of criticism and condemnation, what you're actually going to do is push yourself into shame. And shame is a brick wall. It's not a doorway. If you um, approach yourself from a place of self-compassion, where you're very much relating to yourself from a place of understanding your own present moment experience, but not copping out and saying your values aren't, aren't important, and what you're essentially doing is accepting that it's hard right now and giving yourself empathy for that and recommitting to the value. So that becomes a doorway. Mm. There's a doorway that I can choose to open again and walk through. Shame is only ever a big brick wall that you'll bash your head against and cause yourself to get a, quite a significant headache. So what you need to be able to do to come back on track with habit formation is A, understand that no practice is wasted. So it doesn't matter if you go back to meditation today and then, you know, your meditation doesn't occur again for another seven days. I mean, consistency is wonderful. It certainly does make a difference for habits being wired in place faster. Mm. But that's not always available to many of us because so much does crop up. So it doesn't have to be perfect to be effective or to be making some difference to the neural plasticity of your brain.
0: Ah, Rebecca. I'm going to have to wrap it up because you know okay, otherwise yes. we'll keep going. We will. <laughs> I'll shut up. Sorry. But thank you so much. That was awesome. I'm so glad. I'm going to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> Just to form that neural pathway. Yes. <laughs> See? It counts. I was listening. <laughs> That's Dr. Rebecca Ray. She's a psychologist and author. Her latest book is called Small Habits for a Big Life. And I'll put links in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes. Plus, we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at at listener.com. Bye for now.